Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Welcome, everybody in. It's another Nice Job podcast. This episode in particular, I know is going to be a popular one. It's back-to-back episodes we are having on topics that are heavily requested. And it's another topic in which there's a lot of information out there. And it's really hard sometimes to tell what's good, what's bad, what's specific to certain industries, what's specific to certain people and situations. Um, And so when you have a topic like this, I felt it was kind of my duty to find an expert that knows the ins, the outs, and knows all the nuances of it. But most importantly, he's going to explain it in a way where you're going to be able to like jot it down in your notepad. Uh, If you're listening to the audio only version, you'll hear it in my takeaways at the end of the episode. Things that you're going to be able to take, implement immediately, changes you might make, make, upgrades you might want to do. And you're going to have that data and start seeing things, you know, change and know the decisions you need to make going forward. Uh, and, you know, every single episode I talk about being excited, but but this one is something that I've kind of had circled on the calendar for a while because we wanted to explore this topic. I know a lot of you asked about it, but also, you know, as it pertains to nice job in our software, we understand the importance of it. Um, but it's sometimes hard when we are explaining the virtues of it because it, it sounds like it's just helping to you know make our software better, things like that. But this is an integral part of your business. And I don't feel it's a hot take in any sort of way. If you're not taking advantage of this thing, uh, you're leaving a lot on the table and you're really kind of having a, a self-limit, some handcuffs, whatever analogy you want to use. You're kind of holding yourself back. I, I, I hate to say so, but that's, that's kind of the case. What is this thing? It is Google My Business. Your GMB, your, uh, your your gateway to new customers, to new leads, your representation on the world wide web. Uh, it is vitally important. And so, as I said, I had to find a vitally important guest that could explain it all. And pretty quickly, I was funneled in this direction uh, and because this is where the best knowledge is. Uh, it is Sherry Benelli, who's owner of Early Bird Digital Marketing. Uh, Sherry, I appreciate you so much for joining us here on the Nice Job Podcast. And I hope that you're ready to, to dive into some GMB. Thank you. I am very excited and ready to hop into this. And right off the top, I will say there is so much we can cover, and, and we're definitely going to dive in depth. Um, but right off the top of the show, I'll say I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a, a two or three parts. We'll visit it again in, in season three. Um, but we're going to get some lot good information, good information out there. Before that, though, Sherry, I'd love to know a little bit about yourself. Um, I always say I don't need to go back to the hospital you were born in, but I, I'm very intrigued of how someone kind of gets into the position, the role that they're doing, and then starts to fine tune it where they end up in a situation where they're an owner and an expert. So at what point did you start either seeing the the itch for entrepreneur, itch for business, itch for digital marketing? Is there a point you can pinpoint where you're like, that's when I started on this track and, and this has been the enjoyment ever since? Yeah, I can definitely pinpoint it. I fell into it actually. So um, after I had my first baby, I invented a product, a baby product, and decided to create a site and sell it. 
quickly realized that I needed more than one product to sell. And um, I, I dove headfirst into how do I rank my site? How do I get found? And so that was really the start of it. It became a puzzle for me, search engine optimization and ranking and all of this became a big puzzle for me. And our, our e-commerce site where we sold pregnancy and baby products was really, really successful at the time. I was on the Today Show and CNN and ABC News and all sorts of places. But then when my husband and I separated, we had to get rid of the business, unfortunately. And I decided, you know what? I have all this knowledge about search engine optimization, digital marketing, content, everything like that. I'm going to go ahead and help other people. So that's where we're at now. And I'm actually a Google My Business gold product expert. And basically what that means is Google has product expert programs and they invite people to participate in those programs when they see that they are helping people, that they're knowledgeable in that area of expertise. And so that's something that I'm very excited about as well. And I'm sure a lot of the questions that you'll get pertaining to Google My Business really kind of center, center around one particular notion, which is, all right, well, how do I get in good with Google, right? How, how, do, how do they help my rank? How do they, you know, get me out there? How do I know that the things that I'm doing are contributing positively to my goals, which is to, to be seen, to be heard, to be found, to be contacted? And naturally, I think probably like you would expect, it starts at the start. And there's probably a lot of things when people are either eagerly looking to set up their Google My Business uh, or trying to get started is they might be so focused on just kind of getting through that they might miss some critical things and some key things. So is there a, a, a step one when it comes to Google My Business? Is it like, okay, let's all take a breath here. Step one, this. Does that exist? Yeah. So if you haven't claimed your Google My Business listing, that's for the first thing you need to do. Um, there's a couple of different ways to do that. So you may already be in Google's database. You may already have a Google My Business knowledge panel out there, which is basically a listing. You just haven't claimed it yet. So one thing you can do is do a search for your business name and your city. And if a knowledge panel shows up on the right-hand side, all you need to do is click claim this listing. And that is the, probably the easiest way to do it. And then you can walk through the steps and go through that. Now, if for some reason you don't show up for that, what you can do is go to, um, I think it's business.google.com. I don't have to look, shoot, I can't remember the URL, but anyway, um, and then you can go ahead and claim that process. Now they've made it a lot easier. They've made it a lot clearer for businesses, which is great because it was so confusing for a long time. And that's why there's so many, for instance, service area businesses that that have errors and issues with their listings right now. Now they've made it to the point where Google has specifically asked, do you have a physical location that customers come to? Yes or no. And that, that selection will take you down a different path. And so it makes it so much easier for businesses to set up their listing correctly from the get-go instead of having to go in and later fix their listing because they're violating a guideline. So they've, they've totally improved how that path goes and that makes it super easy for businesses to now claim their listing. Yeah, just want to confirm, it is business.google.com. Uh, that'll get you, uh, you know, to the Google My Business so you could you could set it up. So if you're a brand new business, you know, you, you actually don't quite exist yet, you're, you're a week away or something like that, um, you know, that's a good place to, to start and get on there. And you touched on it 
about the service area or, or address. And it, with nice job, a lot of our community are home service professionals and some it's the truck parked outside their house. You know, they're a solo entrepreneur uh, and, and they're kind of rolling from there. And that question we often get is, okay, well, I don't have a separate business. It's just a business uh, like a brick and mortar store. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I, I'm just working out of my home, you know, working out of my truck, things like that. Um, and as it evolved, you know, best practices, things like that. At some point, this bad narrative got out that like, oh, just like grab a PO box or just, you know, put the random thing and stuff like that. Um, how important is that location? And are there some positive or sorry, like benefits or, or, or ranking of order when it comes to, you know, should I be service area? Should I be pick a specific location? I'd love to really dive in deep to that because that's probably the number one thing I think that starts holding people up when they take on this process is all right, business name. I know that like location. Right. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? There is nothing wrong with running your business from your home. There are so many businesses that do that. So there's nothing to be ashamed about. The thing is you need to set up your listing correctly because if you don't, your listing is likely going to get suspended. And if it gets suspended, it means either a, you your listing will still show up, but you won't be able to change anything in it. And you'll see a big suspended notice right in your dashboard or B you're taken off completely and you are nowhere to be found. So what I tell people is you need to set up your listing correctly, because if you don't, you may not be caught today, but Google or someone else will report you and your listing is going to get suspended. And so the way it works for home-based businesses is you, you can't have a home-based business with an address displayed. It violates Google's terms of service. So what you need to do is you need to go in, delete your address out and select service areas. So once you go into the info section in your Google My Business dashboard, in the address, click on the pencil and delete your address out. It'll prompt you to list service areas. And these are the areas that you serve, that you go out to customers and see them. And you typically want to stay within about a two hour drive. That's typically what Google recommends is like a two hour drive from your location. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know that there's some people that that you know don't want to do that, but that is typically that's that's the rules and those are the guidelines for for service area businesses. Now, let's say you have a storefront, you have an address, um, and you do have people come in. Like, let's say you have a plumbing company, for instance, and you have a small showroom and you have employees there during the day. You have signage outside, let's say. You don't get a lot of foot traffic, but you are open to the public. But then you also go out and serve people. So you fix people's plumbing, you install things, those types of things. Then you're considered a hybrid business and you can display both your address and select service areas. That's a hybrid business, so you can get a little bit of both. And then there's the traditional storefront and storefronts are where you have permanent signage outside and customers come to your place of business and you can display your address. So there's essentially like three different segments or buckets as far as the businesses are concerned. But I always tell service area businesses, it's better to delete your address and set up your listing correctly versus getting suspended. Now I will give everybody a heads up on this. Sometimes going in and fixing your listing can trigger a suspension, mm-hmm. which is a zinger and that sucks, yeah. but it can trigger a suspension because Google sees you going from a storefront, 
with a physical address, even though it's out of your home, to a service area business. And that happened to me with a lawn care company. So they got their listing claimed. We entered the PIN number and I realized, hey, he runs his business out of his home. I'm going to fix his listing so he's in compliance. I deleted his address. And the minute I did that, the listing was suspended. Now, the good thing is I had all the evidence that I needed to prove that this business was a service area business, that their business name was correct, and that the address was correct. All I needed to do was submit that with the reinstatement form, and we got reinstated. So it's making sure you have everything in proper order and that you have the proper documentation to back everything up in case you get suspended. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's very interesting, though. I, I'm wondering, is that a relatively, I don't say recent change, because I know Google does update policies, things like that. But I, I do know that some home service professionals, I guess I can hear a lot of them asking, like, all right, well, what qualifies as my house being my house, my workshop? So I know some people that have, you know, uh, garages, sheds, like offsite things. So people could come, you know, to, uh, to that area, mm-hmm. but it's not like it's a separate mail. So, you know, the same thing they're getting their, uh, you know, right. their magazine subscription to, they're also, you know, uh, putting on their invoices and things like that. So if someone has their home business listed now mm-hmm. and they're kind of wary of like, look, well, I don't want to get suspended, but I want to make sure I'm following policies. Is, is there, uh, like, h- how do you maintain that or how nuanced does it really need to get? So if you have a separate site, can you use that same address or is it just almost in the long run, it's going to cause more headaches than it's worth to keep it? In, I would say 90 plus percent of the cases in the long run, it's going to be work. It's going to be more work and can cause you more hassle. What you need if you have a service area business at your house is you need permanent signage in front of your house. Okay. And, we're not talking about a plastic sign that you stick in your yard. We're talking about a sign. So typically um, in instances where I've seen it work would be a home with a separate shop, let's say like um, a machine shed or a separate structure. And that, that location, that building has a permanent sign on it or in front of it. Then, and, and they have that stat. And the other thing is they have to have that, location staffed during business hours by their employees. So it's not like you can leave that place open because they want to make sure customers can come there. You're going to be on Google Maps. The last thing Google wants is for someone to show up at that location and no one be there. So you need to have employees at that location and have to have permanent signage outside. That would be probably the only way that you could do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So perhaps if you're a, a solo entrepreneur, you know, you know, you're a one man show. So, so you haven't gotten a, a shop or anything like that. You know, you're just kind of co-opting the garage when you need it or something like that, or you're not doing really any work at home, uh, but you're not really storing anything. Then it's perhaps especially important that you go with the service area because, you know, a, a drop in, uh, you know, there's not going to be another employee there. There's probably not, you know, signage, uh, depending on what you're, what your partner thinks of what your home decor should look. They might not be too keen on a, <laughs> a, 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 the a neon sign there. Um, but, but it's very interesting because that's like when I talked about the top, one of those things that comes through and you kind of hear that narrative go of like, oh, well, you know, if you want to put your home, put your home, if you want to do this, but it's good to hear like, Hey, this is what Google is going to define. Mm-hmm. And, you know, perhaps making sure that you, that you are compliant. Now, the, the question that goes with it is that a lot of people are adding these addresses because of that map three pack, right? They, right. they want to make sure they're found. Um, so some might be thinking out there, all right, well, let me, let me think about it. 
maybe I do want to invest in the sign and put it on the shed. And maybe I don't have a problem if someone wants to, to come and, and knock on the door because, you know, I have a, you know, another family member who does answers our phones, things like that. So yeah, I can just tell them, Hey, they got to go shit in the, in the shed between nine and five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you also have to think about zoning laws too, though. Okay. You know, so you, you, ha- you have to think about your business as a business and make sure it's set up properly. So mm-hmm. what I tell people is if you aren't registered with the secretary of state, do that. You, you want to set up your, or if you don't have a business license, get a business license. Because if your listing gets suspended, you need to be able to prove to Google that you're a legitimate business at that address. And so it's better to be pre- proactive and get all that information and get everything documented get your insurance with your business name and the address, wherever you're running your business from, get that all done ahead of time to make sure so that if you do get suspended for some reason, you have everything you need to, to upload to the reinstatement request form. Now, what I do recommend too is read Google's guidelines for representing businesses on Google. That is the guidelines that Google gives to everybody. And they're really Now, they're not always the best guidelines, in my opinion. I think they should be a little bit more clear about some things, but they update those guidelines frequently. And sometimes just adding one sentence to those guidelines can blow up somebody's listing and can make it, you know, not correct anymore. It can make it in violation. So I tell people, read the guidelines at least once a month, just to make sure there's nothing that has changed that may cause your listing to be non-compliant and it's 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 crazy but you know just one or two words or an extra sentence that they add to those guidelines and rules can make a difference and i think that's why it's also important to stress is you know this information that we're saying right now isn't to kind of oh now i'm scaring to spend things like that it's one of those things of when they write these guidelines this is kind of the expectation so you talked about the one like we change from an address uh to a service area they just venture but you're saying like well hey here's the proof right here. Mm-hmm. So honestly, it's like, if you are, if you have proof, you have things, you know, kind of set up, but you're kind of making sure it's, you know, the same across the board, then there's not going to be too much of an, an issue. Uh, if Google's like, wait, we don't think this works. We hear a lot of times with reviews where sometimes, you know, with a, a fake review or things like that is a lot of times if you alert and prove to Google, they're able to then take action. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's people and algorithms kind of, kind of coming together. But I know a lot of people are wondering like, all right, well, it's about ranking, about being found. So am I losing out if I'm just a service area business, is there a weight between service area businesses and a, a physical pinpoint location? Cause I know a lot goes into what actually makes those rankings. So just for location specific, um, cause we're going to get into the other steps that'll, it'll kind of help with that. Um, is there an, an imbalance, uh, you know, just, I guess almost opinion wise, like would we want to see Google maybe not value that as much because there's a lot of service area businesses out there that, that don't have brick and mortar stores. Right. Yeah. And I would like to see Google not take that into consideration as much as they do. There is a slight imbalance. So if you go from a, um, physical address to a service area, you could see your rankings drop. I'm not going to lie to you. You could see your rankings drop, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to show up. And that's the thing that's most important. You're not going to show up. I mean, it's not like you're not going to show up. Now, if you get suspended, you're not going to show up, period. So, I mean, you have kind of have to weigh the pros and cons of, do I want to be in compliance and have my listing be available to be seen and optimized and 
be found on Google or do I want to risk maybe 30 days from now getting suspended and me being off the grid completely? So it's a calculated risk that I think business owners need to take. And I always encourage people to take the, I'm following the guidelines route versus I'm going to skirt the guidelines and maybe get away for with it for a while and see what happens. You know, I would rather follow the guidelines than risk getting suspended. That's and my so, opinion. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think I would feel the same way, you know, from the personal standpoint is, you know what, if you're doing things, you know, correctly and properly, then that gives you a solid foundation to grow, right? So if you're a brand new business, you're going out there, you're not going to top, you know, go right to the top because a lot of things we're going to talk about next is you don't, you haven't really fed Google too much information about you. Um, and one thing that's come up a couple of times on our podcast here is it's really funny how Google will kind of tell you what they want. And in particular, I'm talking about, uh, obviously for a nice job, you know, about reviews, but um, like photos and posts, I find so many businesses don't take advantage of those two options, especially when Google kind of ask you to do so. They're telling you what they want. They give you the ability to post a photo. They, they kind of tell you, you should post a photo. Yep. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, that is also a key part of how much you know content you are generating that goes into the viability of your listing, correct? Yeah, photos actually have been shown to increase engagement. So it's not necessarily a ranking factor, but it increases engagement with the people that see your listings. And so Google's done studies that show that the more, and Bright Local has done studies as well. Um, and they're amazing as far as their studies and research goes, Bright Local, by the way. The more photos you have, the more engagement you get, the more phone calls you get, the more traffic you get to your business. So the more photos you can add, the videos you can add, you can add 30 second videos. And I have a lot of people say, well, what can you say in 30 seconds? I had a divorce attorney who said a heck of a lot in 30 seconds and he was brilliant with it. You know, so you can give tips in 30 seconds with your smartphone. Upload videos like that. Make sure you don't use stock photos when you're uploading photos. Google wants to see real pictures, maybe before and afters. If you're a service area business, I have seen some really sharp before and after pictures from some service area businesses, and they're brilliantly done. And so you can upload those team member, you know, if you're doing an outing or if you're doing some volunteer work, photos of that type of stuff, make your business seem human. People love those photos. And as far as posts go, same thing, you know, don't always be pitching your services, but pitch what you think people are interested in and tie it back to what you do. You know, the other thing about posts is when you're writing the posts, don't include a email address, website address, or phone number within the content of the post, because that will typically, the post will get rejected. And that's a relatively new thing. It happened, started happening, I would say probably about three months ago. Before that, people were putting in website URLs and phone numbers and everything like that. And uh, Google started cracking down on that. And so now you can't include those things within the post itself, or the post will get rejected and you won't be able to upload it. Yeah, I also know uh, it was actually a long, a little while back, excuse me. Uh, they also started cracking down on people that were kind of uh, overloading their like their business names. So it wasn't just like, hey, you know, it's, it's Steve's, you know, junk removal. It was like Steve's junk removal, the lowest the price. And they, it's like they, they really kind of cramped down on that. Um, but I love about you talk about the photos and the videos. And, and sometimes people say like, OK, well, what 
I'm not a content creator. I'm like, what can I do? And it's funny how much that stuff is, is actually already there. So posting, you know, photos, for example, I always recommend this. If you're say like a window cleaner and there's a difficult style window that might be popular in your service area, you know, older colonial homes or or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, and you know that you're really good at it and you can kind of show off like, Hey, this is how we handle this particular type of window. It's surprising to have that engagement is maybe they're not running and liking it, but I guarantee if they have that type of window, it pauses them. They start diving in a bit more and they go, huh? Like that's, I have that same window. These guys can handle it. I see that. Um, exactly. With video is uh, I think replying to reviews in the traditional sense, which I want to talk about obviously reviews next, but um, that's something I think that I would love to see people try to experiment with is kind of replying also via video. Um, and so it's great, you know, within 30 seconds of, Hey, you know, we just got a review from Jennifer. She says, blah, 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 blah. Like, Hey, Jennifer, you know, we really appreciate it. You know, this was Bethany that was on the job with us. Uh, you know, Bethany's going to say thanks as well. Like really appreciate it. Like that's engaging. It's mm-hmm. educational. It allows to kind of get their words out. So it doesn't come off as, you know, testimonial or sales. Um, but showing personality, if you can show that in your Google, my business, the common person sees a lot more depth than that than if you're just constantly throwing up, you know, a flyer that you're just turning into a photo. Exactly. And I I love the idea about the reviews, especially if the review mentions the employee, which often they do. You know, Susanna was so, you know, helpful with me when I was picking out my storage facility or, or whatever the case may be. And actually, you know, showing everybody else who this person is, who is Susanna, you know, that's a brilliant idea. I love it. I think you should get an A plus for the day. Oh, nice. I'll take it. See, you know, my, my high school guidance counselor said I wasn't the A plus type. Well, look at you. You are. You are, uh, definitely. And, and also with reviews, is like I said, that's, you talk about like engagement. Um, you know, when you're replying to reviews, Google's seen that you're engaging in customers and you know, it's adding a bit more to that. Um, I also, uh, you know, I was doing, you know, a little bit of research on you and some things you talked about. Um, I saw you mentioning liking reviews mm-hmm. uh, and kind of going in. Could you explore a little bit on that? Because obviously here at Nightshot, we talk about replying, you know, we talk about engaging, but uh, you know, the liking reviews is something as we kind of find out a bit more, it seems to be uh, something that really could help you out when it comes to getting those reviews featured. So when it comes to reviews, a lot of people are mostly afraid of the bad ones, right? So what you can do is you can, first of all, always reply to reviews, even the negative ones. Okay. Even if you know they're, not telling the truth or whatever, reply politely and say, hey, we're sorry you had a bad experience. Please call our office and you know, talk to Tom and we'll be happy to talk with you about your issue. Because that tells anybody else who's looking at that review that you are caring, that you care, you, you know, you are concerned about negative reviews. But that's number one. The other thing is there's little like button, there's a little like thumbs up thing underneath the reviews go ahead and click on the like button for the five-star reviews because the more likes you get on the five-star reviews, the more likely it is that those will kind of creep up and push down the negative reviews. So that's another trick and strategy that I recommend. Yeah. And you, even if you're in conversation, um, you know, with a, a leader or a client, if they mentioned like, Hey, actually I, I booked you cause I read a review uh, about that. Um, that might be a good opportunity to say like, oh, we appreciate that. Actually, you know, if you know where that review is, if you want to go give it a like, then that way, you know, it kind of can help it kind of spread it. And you'd be surprised how many, you know, if, you, if you're doing the right things from the customer experience side, 
is how they are, you know, willing to go and, and help you out a little bit more. So it's not like you have to go, Hey, all right, all 17 of us on staff, let's, let's start our life. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you can do it from an organic sense. It doesn't be something that's taking up a ton of your time, but if you're going in there and you're replying, uh, give it a, a thumbs up. And I will say, it's funny, every time we talk about replying to reviews, it's always said people go, oh yeah, well, like respond to those negative ones, right? I want to also put out there, make sure you're responding to the positive ones. And if you can add specifics and details there, it goes so much more than thank you, exclamation point, we appreciate mm-hmm. your business. I know it's so easy. I know it's so repetitive uh, or, you know, it kind of helps to systemize it in that sort of way. Um, But when people look at reviews and there's so many statistics out there of, you know, uh, people look at at least 10 reviews before they make a decision. We've heard the old trick. I look at the top three and the bottom three, but you talked about, you know, people want to see how you respond to the negative. And I think showing, you know, appreciation and, and uh, almost uh, the ability to listen to the positive as well, is also very crucial. Um, and it doesn't do something long or, or lengthy, but you know, kind of show that you're there and you're present. And I, I think about long and lengthy because another thing I saw uh, that I was very interested in is understanding how your profile is going to look. And in particular, like, like your business description, right? Cause you definitely want to have something there, but there's a couple things of like, what's going to show before it's expanded and, and things like that. I, I love to dive in a bit more on that because sometimes I see ones where it's, one sentence description that doesn't say anything. And I see mm-hmm. one where it's, you know, maxing out at like 750. Um, right. Is there a strategy that, that you'd recommend for your business description to really help make it a full complete profile? Right. So first of all, business descriptions do not help your rankings. So don't keyword stuff it. Okay. Don't fill it with a bunch of keywords because that's not the purpose for the business description. You're allowed 750 characters, but it typically gets cut off at about 250 characters. So what I always tell people is put the most important information that you want people to know about your products, your service, your company towards the front of the paragraph or towards the front of the description. And, you know, I, you know, I love the whole family owned business for 22 years. Everybody's heard that. So come up with something more unique, you know, tell people why they should pick you versus a competitor. What makes your business unique? What special offerings do you have that the competitors don't, you know, do you carry a specific brand that you think people might be looking for, or is there something different about the way you handle things? Those are the types of things people are looking for. And Google will often review your description and they can actually deny your description and refuse it. So you don't want to make it pitchy. You don't want to make, you know, put any offers in the description. That's not the place for those types of things. So make sure that it's very succinct, that is to the point, but that you also talk about why your business should be the one people choose. Yeah. And, and I love you talking about adult keyword stuff, things like that, because it doesn't kind of go for rank, but then also it's, it's a really rough first impression. You know what I mean? Like if you're just looking in and it's a sentence that doesn't make sense, or you kind of can tell, you know, some people might not have marketing degrees or, or really being business at all, but they, they can tell when you're being a bit of a try hard. And I think that's kind of a bad first impression because I think a lot of people get into home services in particular to help, you know, right. to, to provide, you know, expertise and things like that. They kind of really aren't doing it in, in this real overly competitive sense, you know, that they, they want to kind of make their, their impact mm-hmm. uh, on the world. So, um, but, but it's great to share that. that look, it's not really going to help you overall, uh, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, your rank and things like that, that, that general but description, can, but yeah, but it'll help you differentiate depending on exactly. how you put it. Yeah, Exactly. 
Exactly. Because if you're doing the, I was saying, if you're doing the other things to rank high, that's what it's going to think. But if, if you haven't been able to get that rank yet or you're working your way up, when they find you, what do you want them to see? You want them to see who you are, not that you're trying to be ranked higher. Right. Um, and the, the last thing I touch on, we could touch on so much more, but <laughs> I, I want to make sure, uh, like I said, I want to keep it good, actionable takeaways here. Um, is your Google My Business is also its own little ecosystem. So for example, like if you don't have a website, your Google My Business is going to kind of represent that. If, if you do have a website, that still could be like the gateway for them to then go to your URL. Um, besides, you know, collecting reviews through something like Nice Job, things like that, is there other ways to encourage your, your clients, your fans to, to uh, add to or participate in what you're doing with your Google My Business? Is there a way to kind of get them involved? Because some people, they're like, look, I want to do more of that Google My Business, but I got so much going on. Mm -hmm. And we always say like, people are out there to help you and they're probably right. your customer clients. How can they get involved or how can you activate your fan base to really help you on the Google My Business side? Yeah. So what a lot of people don't realize is customers and just about anybody can upload photos and videos to your GMB listing. So you can encourage customers to do that. So let's say that you're a service area business and you just installed a brand new washer and dryer at someone's home. Have them take a picture and upload it and say, wow, this is so much nicer than the one I had before. Thanks, guys. Something like that. The other way that you can have them kind of participate is by asking a question. So there's Q&A, which is part of Google My Business. It's separate from the Google My Business dashboard. You kind of have to get into the Q&A by actually doing a search for your business name and then asking the questions from within the knowledge panel. But have people ask questions. And what you can do by that is if you know that there are questions people are are asking typically, like let's say you always get the same question, like every day someone calls and asks the same question, post that question on the Q&A and then answer it. Preemptively and proactively ask questions and answers or have a friend ask a question and then you go in and answer it, let's say. That is going to answer questions that people are already probably thinking about, but maybe too afraid to even take the time to ask that question. So those are some really good ways that you can get people engaged. Yeah. And that, um, that's probably helps with your sales process as well. If you're able to get some high level or quick questions out of the way, or even say something like, Hey, you know, uh, do you have specialized things for this? Like, yes, we do. Blah, blah, blah. So kind of yeah. a little bit, well, like I said, people are going to learn more about you, see what you are about. Uh, and that's why it's there. Um, Sherry, thank you so much. I, there's, we're, we're going to invite you back at, at some point, season three, for sure. There's so much that we could dive into Google my business, but I love the things that we touched on. Cause it kind of set of how to set the standards, you know, why it's important to go in and, you know, be particular about what information you're giving, but then why it's important to keep feeding that machine, you know, Google yep. my business. It doesn't have to be, uh, uh, doesn't have to be something that you're setting alarm for every day and go and dive in. But if you are regularly monitoring it, you are actively engaged with it. It goes back to that top question. How do you get in good with Google? Right. Show them that you're viable, show them that you're active and show them that you are providing information that Google wants to share, which is what the public wants to see. So exactly. Uh, I appreciate that. Before I let you go officially, though, I want to ask you the question I've been asking everyone here in season two of the Nice Job podcast. Uh, for those that might be listening to their first episode, um, when I bring on these experts, they have such great knowledge and they, they, they know all these ins and outs, things like that. But I do know that the way they got to that level is to constantly be curious and constantly working on something. So Sharon, my question to you is, what don't you know now that you're either working on the answer toward 
or that you're excited to find out. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Google My Business specific. I just no. I love to kind of dive into those that expert mindset. So what don't you know now that you're either excited to find out or that you're currently working on? I'll, I'll tell you. So I just finished my first um, LinkedIn learning course. So I did all the video recording and all the audio and the script writing and stuff like that. But I'm also working on a Google My Business course for a client. And so what I would like to learn is more about video editing, which I have never done before. And I've always been a little scared of. So that is on my bucket list of things to learn. That's awesome. I will say as a, as a light video editor myself, I spend more time in front of the lens than behind it. Um, I, I, I encourage you to take that on because it's not as hard as you think. Uh, as long as you're not trying to create like avatar out there no, or if you're not trying no. to create a feature film, but putting together, you know, uh, especially for those who might be listening to this, we talked about, you know, posting videos on Google, my business is there's a lot of free tools out there, but just the basics elements of editing, all it is is storytelling in a new medium. So, uh, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck on that adventure. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see the videos you start putting out, Cherry. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And last thing, uh, if anyone wants to learn more either about early bird digital marketing, uh, you know, wants to connect with you or anything like that, um, where should we direct them towards? We'll have some things down in the description uh, when we post the replay of the episode and things like that. But for anyone listening live uh, or, you know, listening on the recording, uh, where should we send them towards? Yeah, you can go to earlybirddigitalmarketing.com or you can find me on Twitter at Sherry Benelli. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, uh, for joining us here on the Nice Job Podcast. Thank you. And for all of you, thank you for tuning in and joining us. Uh, this would be a great conversation without an audience, but the fact that the things that we're talking about is going to help you, that's the reason that we're actually doing it here. Um, so I appreciate you, uh, you know, tuning in, commenting, liking, or sharing. If you do those types of things, if you review our podcast, that definitely helps us get out to more ears. But all I really ask, just take something you learned from this episode in particular and try it, execute it, see what it does for you. If it works, good, grand, terrific. If it doesn't, well, hey, that's some data for you to make a better decision in the future. So it's win-win all around. Uh, we'll be back. Season two rolling on next week. We'll have another episode, uh, less than a handful in here in season two. Uh, but until then, I want to uh, ask you once again, make sure you're being healthy, make sure you're being safe, and don't forget to have a little fun out there as well. Take care, everybody. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.